Holy moly, we got a double feature for you tonight on Hotline League episode 36. We've got two guests back-to-back. Our very first one, Riot Blastoise. We're going to talk to him a little bit about uh, Doublelift's video from last week and what people think about uh, stuff. And Because he, he does a whole bunch of research around player... Whatever, we'll get to it. That's going to be really cool. Then the other thing we're going to be talking about is the sort of situation that's going on in NALCS where people keep talking about what's going on with the pros and if they can get the right practice and what they sh- if they're lazy. Mark thinks they're lazy. We're going to find out all that in just a second. No, Hotline League episode 36 starts now. Hotline League is brought to you by Open by HP. And here we are. We're back to the start of the show. Uh, so first off going to go ahead and introduce my constant co-host to my side mark zimmerman how's it going mark uh it's going like i said starting to get sick yeah i fight that off and i bought octopath traveler last night and it's good it's not great has, has the has the players association egged your home yet <laughs> i don't know but that'd be sick because i could use some more eggs I don't. I don't know if that's how. Egg I ran works. out of breakfast burritos today, so I need some more eggs to make some more breakfast burritos. Yeah. So I don't. Like me. Don't think you truly understand the concept. Well, uh, excited Just to talk about off the walls, dude. It's good. Five second rule. Excited to talk about the war that you've ignited among Sign between you and a hundred people. Uh, right below us, though, is our first guest for the evening, right? Blastoise, who I will be referring to as Nathan which was his God-given name or his parent-given name or whatever before he became right Blastoise. How's it going, Nathan? Uh, it's going pretty well. Okay. Uh, you should introduce yourself because I, you said in an email what you did, but I feel like you're going to be way better at describing all that than I am. Yeah, of course. So um, my official title is I'm a researcher for Riot, but uh, in practice, I'm the Gameplay Insights Lead. And we have this whole department at Riot, which is uh, called Insights. And... Uh, we do a couple things, but mainly it's a lot of uh, analytics work, a lot of research, uh, mix of data science. But a lot of what we try to do is basically gather the data to help various teams, stakeholders, designers at Riot make uh, some of the best decisions. So can you give me because that's it's like a lot of like <laughs> a lot, Riot a lot terminology. Of right no no one watching stuff? is like a stakeholder. Oh, yes, I understand <laughs> what he's talking about there. Uh, can you, can you give me like an example of something you might do? Yeah. So what that actually then looks like, uh, you know, like honestly, one of my favorite projects was when we were doing stuff for runes or forge, um, the research project around that was, I'd bring in a ton of players into LA. We actually brought in like hundreds, uh, to the riot games campus, had them play on the new You're talking about league of legends players from wherever. Yeah. League players. And it was everything from like bronze to diamond players. Some of them unranked, um, all sorts of them. We'd bring them in. We'd have them play on this system months before it came out. And that's how we actually like generate a lot of feedback, polish it up before we sent it out. So that's like an example of sort of like what we'd call like player labs or work like um, it's kind of similar to like UX research. Um, a lot of other times, though, the team I manage handles all that, you know, spicy data, you know, the win rates, you know, champion win rates, things like um, we have saying that we'd call like a, a snowball report which can tell you how many games are ending in like those really quick 15 to 20 minute snowball-y fiestas where a couple assassins pop off. So we manage everything from the actual kind of, you know, behavior of people in the game to like what people think about the game. And that's like the sentiment work, that's surveys, that's all sorts of stuff there. So one of the first things that I 
uh, saw you ever talk about or tweet about was when you were discussing Doublelift coming in and playing Kaisa before Kaisa was announced. You're like, there's a new champion. Doublelift just got the first ever Pentakill on it. That was that you or am I crazy? Yeah, that was me. Okay. Um, so what? It seems like you do work at least occasionally with pro players. Yeah, um, my work actually intertwines with the pros um, here and there. One of the common ones is like um, when we were testing the five band system, we actually brought in all the pro, uh, pro organizations and had them do mock drafts against each other with that system, uh, basically trying to make sure it was the right kind of format for it. Um, we actually have brought in all the pros. They all tested runes or forge before it came out as well. So I've worked with actually a lot of the pro orgs before. Cool. And so, so one of the interesting things here, the reason why we decided to have you on the show was because uh, before Ghostcrawler did his big post, uh, and by the way, if you're watching the VOD or if you are watching live and you feel like you need to do this, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is a, a video that Doublelift did last week, uh, sort of talking about how he felt like the patch cadence um, and the way that League updates so often comes with a lot of detriments and downsides and that he maybe thinks it should be patched slower or that there should be more focus on uh, smaller patches or whatever. Um, and you you were one of the first people to respond to that. Um, and you said that you liked the video a lot, but that there was some issues or not, maybe not issues, but uh, sort of disagreements that you had on, on certain aspects of his take. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, just off the bat, I have to say I really liked the video. And honestly, personally, as a player, I feel some of the things Double is talking about. I think I'm on the end of like someone who could definitely I. I if the game is being changed a bunch, I'm fine with that. I think the reason why Doublelift's video really spoke to me is I recently looked over a bunch of data from a survey that we had sent out looking over midseason, which was those three really big patches, which introduced a bunch of change. And one of the big themes actually around those, uh, we actually had a whole sort of set of questions about the rate of change of things in League. And you know, when you have a pro player who's saying, hey, they're changing the game too much, you know, coming from the pro perspective. And then we're also seeing a lot of players, some who are really engaged, some who are like, you know, not as engaged with players, even some new players saying, yeah, this game changes a lot. I'm starting to be like, yeah, I think we have everyone kind of on board across, you know, all swaths of league players. And honestly, internally, we felt it too. I think we just disagree then on like where that rate of change should be. Like what's ideal for league. Yeah. So, so it sounds like for the most part, you agree. So we, we're done with this. You don't need to be on the show. Uh, yeah. It's all done. Uh, so that's where, so there, there's a couple of parts though, where I, where I do disagree with, with double lift. I mean, and, and I think this is where I'd really love, you know, for more of our players to be talking about this, this is saying we want to, you know, invest in more to understand, but when we talk about the change stuff, so uh, the two of the points I disagreed with him on, uh, one was Aatrox. And the idea of like when we rework those champions, and this one's really tricky because it's like, he's not wrong, right? We could just make a new champion with the Aatrox reworks kit. And for those of you guys like following in, we changed a big, or we changed a champion in the game who for the longest time was not played. And Doublelift in his video used the example of pro play, right? He said, okay, uh, Aatrox has been played, what, like three times in like three seasons and now is getting played a lot. When we look at, Aatrox's data. We also just look at all of his regular play. And man, that dude was not played much and also caused game health issues. And when you're not being played much, you cause game health issues. That's sort of right. When you say game health issues, what does that mean? I think like for us, game health issues is where we, 
sometimes it's partly because when he is strong, he's extremely overbearing. Um, you know, like old Poppy, not all champions, obviously, it's not like they're unhealthy for the game versus healthy. It's a spectrum. Old Poppy is probably the best example of this. She was either just completely useless or extremely powerful. And the way she kind of expressed that in a game was she would either just, you know, absolutely obliterate people or be useless. Um, and not only that, but I think, I think there's a couple reasons when we look at Aatrox. There's also like a sense that like we maybe didn't deliver on the sort of fantasy, the thematic fantasy of this like darkened warlord dude. Um, so in some sense, it was an opportunity for us to improve him. Gotcha. So we uh, should say, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, where, we, where I think we disagree with Doublelift on some things like that. I don't think Doublelift is wrong when you say, oh, we could have just made a new champion with this kit and kept the old Aatrox. Uh, you can look at any of our reworks and and probably say that. Uh, I would argue, probably from our perspective, that's like, well, we kind of want to like improve the overall holistic quality of champions in our game. Um, and what's really interesting is everyone says new Aatrox is like, you know, is basically Riven 2.0. I yeah. would, I mean, like, here, here's what I would challenge you with is. And I think these are the two things I would I would like to be seen. One that we could test right now, and then one I, I want to see in a little bit when we clip Aatrox's wings and bring his power down a little, because he's pretty strong right now. I'd like to see two things. First of all, I'd be really curious, is you know new Aatrox more similar to Riven as old Aatrox was to Trindamir? That's number one. And and from my perspective, I think uh I think no. I think new Aatrox and Riven are way more different than old Aatrox and Trindamir. So that's number one. And then number two is I would want to see like a more balanced, like if we get this Aatrox to say a 49% win rate, you know, or 50, something that's relatively uh, balanced, I would love to see his play rate at like maybe 50% versus the old Aatrox's play rate at 50%. And I'm going to bet on it. And I don't know, maybe they'll allow me to publish this data, but I will bet you new Aatrox maintains more players who... Not only more players, but players who want to play him uh, more. There's sort of a metric that we use called breadth and depth. Breadth being the number of players and depth being of the players who play the champion, how many games do they play? I bet he's higher on both axes. Cool. So before we get into questions, because I want to get into it, we had a, a bit of a slow start today, but uh, I think it's important to say... To clarify, because I think a lot of people are going to call in maybe thinking that you are a designer, like you are literally the person making the decisions, right? Like you're you're sitting there in a room with with ghost crawlers saying like, all right, no, no patch on Tuesday instead of, you know, two Tuesdays from now. That's that's right. not the case from what it sounds like. It sounds like you more just have like a lot of information, and insight and data into how like the player base works and how all this stuff goes um, as opposed to like being the person making the decisions. Exactly. What I try to do is I try to inform the decisions. When Ghostcrawler's thinking, Greg rather, when he's thinking about you know a long-term strategy for League, when Medler um, comes and talks to me and asks, you know, uh, what do players think about our pacing? Uh, what's the average game time or game length? Those are the sorts of information that I grab for them, and I look at both the kind of the reality of the world, how long do games last on Summoner's Rift? I can objectively tell you that. I can also tell you how long players think games last on Summoner's Rift. And we can use those sort of different pieces of data, and I make recommendations to Medler based off that. Gotcha. Uh, 
Can you do anything about certainly tea champions? Because I think a lot of people do you, do you oh. go on there and you're like, no, 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 come on, come on, look the data. I am so glad. I, yeah, and I'm really glad you brought a certainly tea. This is actually one of my favorite ones because, and I saw like Reddit threads about this where they're like, oh, like, you know, certainly tea is why the league is a terrible game. And, you know, when is Riot going to fire him all stuff? What's interesting is, dude, his champions are the most played champions in our game. And I'll, I'll talk about Yasuo, actually, because I'm a Yasuo main. Yeah, like your chat's going to flame me, all that stuff. I'm I'm a pretty salty player, too. I'm like a very stereotypical uh, Yasuo main. I'm like legit hard stuck, high platinum. I say I'm diamond, but I'm not. Um, and I personally love Yasuo. But trying to remove that bias, let's look at like how Yasuo is treated in different regions. In North America, everyone memes on Yasuo, right? There's the like, I'm a cutie pie double lift clip of like Yasuo versus a Yasuo and you know your team's Yasuo versus the other teams. Meanwhile, in China, he is not only the most played champion, uh, he's actually the most played in North America too, but in China, he's the most played champion and the most liked champion. Uh, we actually do this really broad survey called the Mass Champion Survey where players actually rate all of our champions. It's a massive sample size. We, you know, it's like hundreds of thousands of players go through this survey. Um, and Yasuo is the highest ranked in China. And over there, the meme around him is, I'm going to butcher the Chinese, but it's like, uh, which means happy wind man. And they just love Yasuo over there. Uh, also really high up in China are champions like Zed. And, um, what's another, oh, like Thresh does really well, though Thresh also does well in North America. Meanwhile, some of the North American favorite champions are what I would call like the August Browning champions. Uh, um, Riot August, for those of you know who did who. Uh, Jinx, Echo, Jin. What's interesting is a lot of those characters tend to be maybe like more fair champions in the sense that they're like, you know, they don't have a ton of agency. They don't have a ton of mobility, uh, except for Echo in that instance. Whereas like, yeah, certainly T's champions are all about giving the player agency, making the player have a lot of fun but are typically frustrating for the opponent. It's just that in some regions, we don't see them, you know, airing with as much frustration as others. Gotcha. What I'd like to ask is like popularity and like fairness and game health type questions are, are, you know, it's a little weird to like, for me, it's a little weird talking because just from a devil's advocate point of view, like, uh, I don't know, do you follow melee and brawl and all like stuff that happened there? Uh, I, I don't follow Melee. Uh, I do follow a lot of StarCraft if we ever talk StarCraft, though. But All give right. me the Melee Unlucky. example. So, so the thing I was going to talk about Melee was, like, Melee was this really popular game. It had a competitive scene. Everyone really liked it. Brawl comes out. The game's really different. A lot of characters are just straight up nerfed. It plays completely different. And then there was one champion called, or one champion, Jesus, character called Meta Knight. And he was the only one that people said felt like a Melee character. And as a result, he was really, really popular. But he was also fucking broken in that game because he was felt like you know a champion from a different game and uh his popularity was really high but he is eventually banned from competitive play because he was literally just broken in that game and so like i, I would want to get your thoughts on like a situation like that like how you balance you know oh well while this champion is really popular it might not be for the healthiest of regions or reasons excuse me yeah uh there's two points on that 
so one one that I can kind of push back against you with, and then the other one, which I'll agree with you. Uh, so I guess shooting myself in the foot. Uh, the first point is there's something which we can which we would call like uh, win rate sensitivity, and this is how likely a character is uh, going to change in its play rate based off of its actual strength in the game. Uh, characters like uh, Lee Sin and Yasuo, uh, even when their win rates fall below 50%, both of them are actually the most played characters in the game still. Even when they're not strong, they're still the most played. In fact, we, when I report uh, for some regions, I have to exclude Yasuo and Lee Sin um, because it's, you know, we call it the Yasuo horizon because they actually distort the play rate graph because they're so high up there. The other thing that people forget is a lot of those, a lot of that play rate actually comes from normal games uh, and not necessarily from ranked games. Yasuo and Lee Sin don't have an overbearing presence in ranked unless they're strong because then people want to play them. But in other games, people love to play them. So in normals, in flex queues, stuff like that. Um, so that's point number one. Point number two is I agree that there's almost something like if you look at where League of Legends was several years ago, and I mean, several years ago, like, uh, uh, to be honest, I actually started playing League in like season five and really getting into it then. But like, if we go to like back when League launched, right, there were no champions with the mobility profile of Yasuo or Zed or Lee Sin. And there's something to be said that, and, and I've actually, there's a designer on League who has made this point before, which is that like Yasuo is too fun. Uh, and Yasuo almost like is too different than a League of Legends champion. Uh, such that everyone wants to play him because he gives you, you know, uh, an experience that is like that transcends normal league. It's almost like why, you know, if you play Yasuo and Earth, it's just normal Yasuo, right? With yeah. uh, lower wind wall cooldown. Um, so Yasuo is kind of just an Earth champion. Uh, characters like Yasuo, Riven, uh, Lee Sin, I think are a lot like that. The only pushback then I'd have to that is a lot of league's characters have moved in that direction uh, and have sort of increased agency increased mobility not necessarily mobility creep but just um we've moved a lot of our champions past the design of say like malzahar or annie um but i do agree there there, there could be pushback that hey maybe some of those champions like break the experience of league too much and that's why so many people gravitate towards them gotcha cool well hey let's hop into calls uh mark i don't know if you want to pull maybe like four or five people just because i know we we've got a second half of the show but um what uh do you want to go ahead and explain how that works mark yeah so for people who haven't seen the show before what we do is we have a discord i'm posting it in twitch chat right now go ahead join up and when you get here you're going to want to hop into uh one of the pleb calls pleb calls one or pleb calls two and you can meet yourself once you're in there uh and then in the text channel pleb topics you go ahead and post whatever it is you want to talk about We'll go through there, look at whatever questions you guys have. And if we like it, we'll pull you into the waiting room where you have to wait for your turn. And then we do a quick audio check to make sure that your microphone is not underwater. And then we'll uh, bring you on the show. You got kind of quiet there, Mark, at the end. We'll bring you on the show. Okay, cool. There we go. Um, for for those of you that are subs, by the way, if you sub to the chan uh, show, make sure you hop into the um, sub chat on on the discord because you can put your questions there uh it doesn't necessarily guarantee you'll be on but it does give you a bit of a higher chance because that channel moves a little slower so that's kind of the advantage that uh being a sub has 
Uh, and as we call or as we pull the uh, first couple of callers, I've got some shout outs to give to people who have subbed. Speaking of subs, uh, let's see. Lucas Weiler subbed, Thorn7119, Shalu, Cagnuo, I think that's Thek272, Treeper78, I am Elvis4, who said every month I sub with hopes to fund Hotline League to all technical difficulties and start time. Here's to next month. And Jedi Mace resub for three months. Thank, thank you for everything you do, Travis. Uh, so we should be getting some people lined up right now. Uh, Mark is off in the other channel checking stuff out. Uh, excited to talk about Double's video and so much more here in just a moment. Soon Actually, as, go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of Doublelist video, that's like a great example of what we mean by like these sort of fun characters. I mean, we talk about the uh, Zed versus Zed Ryu Faker outplay being like one of the greatest moments of the league. Uh, while there are several designers who worked on it, one of them was certainly T who worked on Zed. So, you know, everyone's saying, you know, oh, certainly T, whatever. It's like. I don't know if what if that was Faker versus Ryu, Malzahar versus Malzahar. Would that have been this fun? That'd be sick. Just yeah. who's gonna ult the other one first? Oh, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I think that's why if you saw a top lane fight that was Yasuo versus Riven, that might be more fun than I don't know, two tanks hitting each other with wet noodles. Yeah, sushi's on the show. Sushi Zion versus Maokai is my wet dream. Sushi, where are you calling from? Um, Seattle. Seattle, very good. What do you want to talk about on the show today? Um, so my topic is that I remember people are bringing back up ping issues for NA. Like, I remember back then that the server was in Portland. Do you think it would be better if you have multiple servers, just like how in um, China they do it? They have multiple servers that people could join for better ping in rural area. This is interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see how Nathan handles this, since this is less yeah. of his forte. Um. So I'll, I'll just preface this with um, this is not like a, you know, I, I, you know, I work on the gameplay research and that side of things. Uh, this would be something like our, you know, uh, yeah, like a little out of my scope, but to give maybe some perspective on it would be um, like, uh, I mean, I, I think part of the difficulty would be how could you. If you pull okay, so if you split North America region, I think I we might be concerned that you would split the player base too much. So I think that's one of the concerns. I think we've actually voiced that before, but this is sort of a tough one for me to answer. And again, it's like there will be some questions where I kind of have to say, uh, it's not necessarily my job. So um yeah, this one is a little tricky. Uh yeah, well, I get it. It's not it's not your department. Well, we could have like um like a hub and then you know multiple servers if there's let's say there's not enough players in east coast you could have them come join the west coast server or like a middle server point to make the ping better because my friend usually he usually like gets really high ping since the service in chicago and usually sometimes he can't play sushi why don't we do this why don't we have you come back on in the second half of the show which is more oriented right. around this discussion and then we'll we'll have uh, because we're talking about ping and, and all those types of issues in the second half. So we'll just guarantee we'll throw you back in the waiting room. And then if you can stick around for the next hour, um, we'll be able to pull you in for the second half. All right. Thanks, Sushi. No problem. Yeah. And to, you know, apologies to your chat. I, I promise it's not the, the like the chat's like, oh, be truthful. It's like 
I don't even know how to be like, uh, how do I answer that? I don't know that. I don't know the engineering required to do that. I don't know what that does to uh, to our player base. I wouldn't necessarily know how that works. In all honesty, when I've gone over and done things in China, I was only working out of our office in Shenzhen. So I was actually only playing on one of the servers there. And when we actually did a lot of the testing in China for Runes or Forge and for some other things, we were doing that internally as well. So questions like, you know, how do we make servers in other regions? If someone came on and asked, hey, are you guys going to make a you know, server in this country? I, I wouldn't be able to answer those. Let me ask you uh, one question instead of instead of the sushi one. Uh, I am very curious. I'm very curious if do you do you and I'm, I don't know if you're going to be comfortable talking about this, but so I imagine you guys see how frequently the game updates and that there must be some sort of metric in which you guys can measure against like player retention, right? Like do do players play more? Do they come back more frequently? Do they do any of this stuff? Are they more active in the game if the game is updated more frequently versus if we have a stretch where the game doesn't get updated, do we start to like lose players or anything like that? Uh, I don't I don't know how comfortable you are talking about that, but it would be very interesting to know like like double if's whole argument is or one of his big arguments in the video is there's like a, a fatigue that hits players if the game is updated too frequently. It'd be interesting if you you based off your analysis feel like that's different. Yeah, I have a I have somewhat of an answer for this. Um, the first thing I'll say is it's actually really hard for me to talk about the engagement with if we change the game a lot or if we change the game a little and then to compare those partly because we honestly there's no good apples to apples comparison uh, when we were changing the game, like adding new champions every two weeks. That was a totally different ecosystem uh, than us today. What I would say is. I think it's something we're willing to try and then see how it might affect player retention or stuff like that. So I think it's definitely like a test we want to do. Um, and holistically, for this year, we really do feel like we changed the game too much. Um, I think this was the largest preseason, the largest gameplay change we ever made. And then when we got to midseason, we actually split out the mid-season patch across like three different patches. So I think that whole thing caused a ton of disruption and a ton of change. Well, I can't necessarily speak to like the engagement. It definitely caused a bunch of issues in terms of like sentiment. We were seeing, and not just, you know, Reddit, but uh, in different regions, we were seeing a lot of people be like, hey, you're changing the game too much. Uh, we want things uh, more stable. Uh, and the other thing is there's a lot of like, collateral damage that comes with changing the game too much. One of them is uh, snowballiness, like these kind of hectic games that get out of control where one team just gets an insane lead and crushes the other. And those tend to happen more when we disrupt the game and more when we get larger changes. So one of our challenges is actually to disentangle like a change that we made to the game versus the impact that it had on game pacing. Because anytime you change the game, People, you know, so for instance, when we change runes of forge, people are like learning new damage thresholds, learning how you know, new electrocute and some of the defensive runes are going to work. And all of a sudden, you know, they get in some fights, someone dies when they normally wouldn't have because they would have known what to do and they would have played it safer. And the game kind of just snowballs out of control. And we have found that at times when there's greater disruption in the game, uh, game pacing gets more wild. Um, but yeah, I think. If I was to like pitch something and maybe, you know, maybe something I'd like 
this is something I would personally pitch, not saying Riot's doing this or that our lead designers are doing this. What I'd maybe like to see us try is have one major point of disruption every year. We'll call that preseason. Uh, we just do a major point of disruption in the game. The goal of that is not just to shake things up, but to actually find something in the game meaningful that we can improve on a larger level. And then after that, we look to stabilize the game for the rest of the year and provide content that supports that major disruption. So what that would have looked like for this year, for 2018, is, hey, we do uh, runes reforged in preseason. And then instead of maybe a patch every two weeks, we could do a patch every month. And maybe it'd be a pretty large patch, but it would provide things like the Conqueror rune, like Hail of Blades, um, and would be providing updates to that system. But the theme of 2018 would be Runes or Forge and us bringing League of Legends sort of back into its normal space before we disrupt it again. And so all the changes that occurred this midseason, the you can play champions wherever you want, crazy things in the bot lane, I think that kind of change is actually okay for League. But I think we should save that for a preseason where we can sort of iterate on it more rapidly, where players aren't losing you know, their LP because they're a marksman and they you know, don't know how to play Swain bot. And you know, the pro players are then impacted by it less because it's not during the middle of the season. Yeah, That would be my take on something like that. Gotcha. Cool. Well, hey, we've got our next caller, which is Danksor on the show right now. Danksor, where are you calling from? Uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. I'm going to turn you up a little bit. Uh, what uh, what do you want to talk about on the show today? So I want to ask uh, if I pronounce it correctly, blouse blouse toys blouse toys. Blast I think toys, Nathan whatever. works. You can call him Nathan. Yeah, you okay, can call Nathan. me Nathan, buddy. I got you. Okay, I, I want to ask you if you've ever researched uh, like defeatist mentality and like NA solo queue. So like for example, like phrases such as like open miss, render fifteen, open FF fifteen, and like seeing like what point in the match like people typically say that and like. Uh, how I wanted to tie it back also like the pros and like the environment and stuff is that like I feel like this is this came from like the South Korean boot camps originally where you know in South Korea they pay per hour for the computer use and so they want to get as much games as possible and when the pros are shooting in seeing games ending at like 15 minutes you know or even like 10 minutes you know I feel like that caused like everyone else to also start adapting that same mentality and so I was just kind of curious is this is something that you know your department has ever like looked at before yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think it'd be really hard to tie it back to pros in South Korea. Like, I, I think that's like a totally like viable theory. I just think it'd be really hard to prove out that theory. One of the things we've looked into is like, you know, a lot of times when people have talked about things like player behavior in our game or um, all sorts of other negative things that occur in our game, a lot of it comes down to yeah, these games where, and this is actually one of our focuses recently, is these games that we'll call trapped games. And this gets a little spicy and a little interesting because it's like, what happens when there's a game where you, by all of our metrics, and, and we can sort of tell us by all of our metrics, you have a really high percentage of losing. Is it worthwhile to play those games out just because it is, you know, hashtag winnable? Like, let's say, let's say, in these games, you had a one in 20 chance of winning. Is winning the one time worth all of the 19 times of defeat? And that's like a really like hard research question to answer because some of our, our biggest highs in league come from these amazing comebacks, right? And I think that's what kind of bothers some people is like, there's two things, right? It's like, 
on the one hand, you want to have those amazing comeback games, but on the other hand, like I have seen those games, and I think we've all been in them, where the game is kind of over. And sure, you could say it's a defeatist mentality. Some people say it's defeatist. Others, and I've I've even said this in my games before, people are like, wow, I can't believe this Riot player is like so defeatist. And I'm like, or I'm a realist, right? Like, we're probably gonna lose this game. Um I actually think that's a really tricky balance. And while I don't have an answer, like necessarily an answer of like, oh, where did it come from? I'll say that my answer now is we want to try and solve that better. We want it so that you can have still have those great comeback games. You know, the games that are, you know, someone pops off, a team fight turns around, the other team throws a little bit. You get the hashtag winnable in there. There's a little bit of hope. But we also want to get you like out of those games where you're like, this shit's over Um, because those do occur. And I think one of the most frustrating things and where we actually, I think, can see a lot of toxicity and like people getting really frustrated are where you're stuck in those games and you're, you know, the game is probably over, but you're in it for another 10, 15 minutes. And that's, that can feel really bad. So to continue the conversation, then, you know, you said, right. Once, uh, you know, somehow solve this, uh, what do you think it is? Because, you know, one thing I, um, I'm thinking about is that you know, I play in around like master tiers, actually you one level. And there are some people who just like, you know, just troll whenever they see a specific person. They just in whenever they see a specific person. Like there's a guy named like D1 police. And if he doesn't like you, he's going to throw the game. And just like, you know, there's always there. And so whenever you're stuck in like one of those matches where like he happens to like not like one of your teammates, you're stuck there for about 10, 15 minutes and you're just like, well, shit, there's nothing I can do about this. And, you know, it just like freaking sucks. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of curious as to like, if you think that it's gonna, uh, you know, just like, is it combating like enters and if, if cares, is it, you know, trying to, is it like the entire community just being like, okay, like stop with the, you know, stop with like the, this like, well, the realist or diffused mentality, you know what I mean? Like try shifting it. Like what can right do to like try shifting that? I know it's kind of like on a spot question, but just kind of curious to see your thoughts. No, no, I, I, that's a really good question. I, I think it's a really good question. Um, you know, I don't really have like a, like, that's kind of a, a hard for me to answer on the spot of how do we get people to like change their entire mental model? Cause that, that'd be basically like, how do we change people to be like, yeah, I'm never going to give up. I'm going to fight this out till the end. And like, yeah, I wish I could do that and make it like, honestly, I wish everyone would just try their hardest in league. Um, I think a more than like tactical answer instead of just being like, oh, I can't answer that would be like, I want us to focus on, uh, cause I think this is one where a lot of people have separated maybe like player behavior stuff from gameplay stuff. I actually think they're really linked, which is why I'll talk on it, which is I'd like to see us really try to tackle, um, some of those behavior issues in game and some of the motivational issues in game. Uh, I've. I've spoken about this vocally before, like even on my stream or like elsewhere, I'll say this. I, the thing that I think most people who are playing ranked and who are playing competitive, especially you, you know, where you're playing in masters here, people don't like, uh, obviously don't like the interest. They don't like the AFK, but they also don't like what I would call like soft inting, which is are these people who just kind of give up, who are like, you know, kind of just lackadaisical about their play. They really don't like that. So I'd like us to see, to work on some system to better deal with that. And at the same time, 
Uh, I'm personally of the opinion that we, you know, should, when we look at like things like chat restrictions and all that stuff, I'd like to see us, if someone's typing and flaming other people in games, instead of banning that person, just just chat restrict them. Don't let them type. And let's save the gameplay punishments for those people who, you know, for this guy, D1 police guy, right? Like, dude, like, yeah, if you're doing that shit, like, that's the kind of shit where, like, I don't want you playing the game. Yeah, I I completely agree. I felt like this whole idea from, you know, Riot, like, I, I think it originally came from Riot Light, who's, like, a huge, like, supporter of this. But it was just, like, we need to fix toxicity. Toxicity is, like, the number one thing to fix. And, like, here I'm in solo queue, and, like, usually the most toxic people typically care the most about the game. And it's, like, the ones that are most frustrating is the, you know, the, the people who just, you know, just want to throw the game AFK. They don't like... I've even had people where, like, I just asked them to group and they're like, you say one more word to me, I'm AFK. And, you know, I just say, hey, let's group a bear in AFK. It's just like, what the heck am I supposed to do about this nonsense? Like, it's just like, I don't know, it's just really, really frustrating. It's cool to hear that, like, you guys are, like, you know, realizing this and, like, want to move more towards, like, you know, not the chat restriction, but, like, the game, like, people, how they behave, like, in games, the characters, like, intentionally feeding and stuff. Well, to be clear, I think it's it's you know if you're if you're saying like awful shit in chat, I think something should be done. I just don't know if that thing of, like so we too. should ban you from the game. Yeah, um, I think the people who I like, and and again, this is me not speaking for Riot because this is technically not because my people team. on Twitch chat are saying if chat, if he's saying this, why is it like the game like this right now? Chat, don't 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 you know say oh like. Riot promote this guy. No, no, no. This is not my team. This is me actually personally speaking as a player. So there's other issues around this, but in general, the the thing I think Riot would agree with you guys on and with the chat on in general is that we think that we should do a better job dealing with AFKs, with inters, and with the soft inters as well. Full stop. That's what we definitely want to do a better job dealing with. Um and we really should. And on the other hand, there's stuff that falls to my team, to the gameplay team, which is like, we need to make sure that the game of League of Legends is not, you know, it like it is cause is not causing this peak toxicity, this peak frustration, right? Like, some people have always said there's, and again, my personal opinion, I don't think there are like toxic players and non-toxic players. I think everyone has a little bit of spice in them. You just got to get it out somehow, and. In, in a world where you're playing this game that you're really passionate about, that you're really competitive about, and the game is dragging on, and you're stuck in a game that you know you're going to lose, and you know tensions are getting, you know it's getting heated. That's where I think people. That's a situation where more people are likely to have that spicy toxicity come out, and that's something for the gameplay team to work on too. So uh, okay. before we move on, because I think uh, we first off, I got to grab an ad, but then also we, we're going to move on to the next uh, couple of callers. Uh, what if here's this? I've got this brilliant system for you, Nathan. OK, so uh, you you say that you can kind of tell when a game has like a one in 20 chance of winning. Right. So like the, it's a five percent chance of a win uh, pop up comes up. Somebody's like super frustrated. They can like disconnect from the game, move on with their life. Then there's a queue, a queue of people that you queue up for. You get a shit ton of IP and or blue essence and whatever for winning this. You get a chest or whatever crazy consumables you guys are doing these days. And uh, and you go in there, you life save. You take over their role. 
you know, like you're you're an asses. You've you've uh, gone just the complete wrong item path, but you have to win in that spot. Travis, what are you uh, what are you doing tomorrow? Can I can I bring you on campus? There we go. Yes. Yeah. See, yeah, fantastic. OK, good. I'll meet with I the love people. It. <laughs> we'll make it. We'll make it happen. Thank you so much. Thanks sir, for the call. Yeah, thank you, guys. See yeah, you. dude, that was it. Those are great questions. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Uh, a couple more callers uh, really quickly as Mark uh, gets the next person up. I want to talk to you guys about something really cool. Nathan, you can grab a drink. You can do whatever you can listen to this uh, wonderful ad. It's about Omen by HP, which is our sponsor for the show. Uh, this is Omen by HP rig behind me. Uh, they've been a tremendous sponsor. Uh, started working with them a little bit at the uh, end of last year around Worlds. Then they came on to support Hotline League. They support me and Mark. Uh, Mark is using their headset right now. Uh, it's so comfortable. He's starting to fall asleep a little bit during the sh Yeah, he's see, he could shake himself awake. Uh, it's good. It prevents shaking baby syndrome. Okay, I let's not talk about that. Um... And uh, they do they do great work uh, out there. They support a ton of stuff in esports. They support uh, Overwatch League. They support CLG. They support uh, now Cloud9. Uh, and, of course, they support the show. So I want to uh, thank them so much. Uh, you guys are amazing. You spam Omen by HP. You guys are asking for an Omen emote. Uh, you, you hit them up. Uh, if you're watching the VOD, there's a, tw a Twitter link in the description. You can tell them uh, you appreciate uh, the support of the show. You can follow them and just sort of stay up, up to date on the stuff that they're doing. I know they're running a promo uh, right now, and I think there's some links over on their, their Twitter. You guys can save some money on some stuff. Uh, but yeah, really appreciate uh, their support, as does Mark, uh, of the show. And uh, I appreciate all of your guys' support of them and of their support. You support their support. They support us. It's a very great support system uh, with Omen by HP. And their systems are great, too, so check them out. Uh, thanks so much to Omen by HP. We should be ready for the next caller now, Mark. Uh, and you've already got yeah. them. Yep. It's Veals. Veals, who I don't... Veals, have you ever been on the show before? Uh, no. Very good. Well, where are you calling from? From uh, Montreal, uh, Quebec. Montreal, Quebec. Oh, nice. Yep. Uh, yeah. What... It's kind of late there, so thank you for, for sticking around. What do you want to talk about on the show today? So I was wondering if uh, Riot could implant a voting system for the up upcoming patches because I don't think it's a it's a bad thing that Riot could implant. Like I think it's a, it, it's a thing that could be like done and should they be tested a, a long time ago. So. So you're saying you a voting system, it? like players would get to vote? Like no, yeah, we don't want these like Yasuo nerfs. What they want to to have in, in, the, in the next batches. Okay. Uh, what do you think of this, Plus? Because you, you're, this would be the direct, you bring players in, they test stuff. Here's, here's bringing that concept to the mass market, right? You create a straw poll, uh, says Yasu nerfs, yes or no. Uh, you know, new skin, yes or no. What, what do you think of this? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let me, I'll talk why. Like, I'll just look at that. I mean, yeah, like that, like that's a no, just because like you're gonna get. The, I mean, I could list off. Like, I, I, there's so many, there's so many scary things. It's like you get like tyr uh, tyranny of the masses or whatever. It's like again, I talked about all those Yasuo mains, and if the you know if the Chinese player base ever got all of those votes, you know North America is gonna be seeing Yasuo and Lee Sin a lot, right? And they're just gonna vote over. It. Even if you had it by region, people who played lesser champions or even champions that were just more you know polarizing would get you know obliterated for that and then also i don't know this is here's the thing 
it's not that we don't want to listen to players. That's the, the key is that I don't think that we should just, you know, strictly listen to them. And I mean, I could use the, what is it? The old adage by as the whole, like Henry Ford thing, although it's not actually a quote by him, though a lot of people think it is the, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses instead of a car. Um, so I think that that applies here. People, you know, a lot of our players might not, have the best idea of like what what is good to balance the game um there's all sorts of other things where like as soon as everyone starts voting for something even if it's like man like even this would be a crazy like sort of test in psychology like even if you just showed the if you showed the poll results and people started to vote on things or someone just plugged oh yeah everyone's voting for this thing more people would be likely to do that you could have all sorts of weird manipulations around this but that being said the spirit of the question i actually still think is important which is i think it's still worthwhile for us to get feedback from players and maybe that's something beyond pbe uh something that we are looking to do is um to run more uh we, we run surveys that are always assessing like broader general things with the game uh, i'm actually working with our live gameplay team to run surveys that will actually specifically uh correspond to a balance patch so we can get an idea of what players in different regions actually felt about that patch and that's where i think we make sort of the best decisions is where we're uh as we say in insights data informed not data driven so i get to go to the designers i get to go to medler and say here's what players are thinking about this patch here's what they're feeling about it we can then look at the actual reality of the data of you know what are the win rates of that patch and then we can use the design intuition of the team we put all those things together, and I think that's where we're going to make some of the better decisions. Don't think we should have players vote on it. So yeah, for sure. But go ahead. Like, it's not like the um, the votes comes from Riot. Like, just to take some suggestions. So that like, that kind of sounds like yeah. what uh, you're talking about, Nathan, right? Which is like trying to have another avenue for. For yeah, players just to be taking to... some feedback, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so in a, I think that's the thing. And actually, so maybe what you're asking for, and we have this, is you know, we do collect that feedback, but I guess what you would want is have that feedback be more transparent, be more yeah. like open-ended. So it's like the player's like, oh, this is what the players were saying about this patch, and Riot did this. Uh, whereas right now, it's like, we kind of know a lot about what players say about the patches. Um, and this was one where I shared this data previously when people were like, it wasn't related to the jungle changes. It was actually related to the addition of jungle fruit or whatever, the, the like plant or jungle plants, right? When we added plants into the game. I remember on Reddit, people were like, oh, this is so dumb. This is like really silly. And NA specifically was like a lot more harsh towards it. Whereas like every other region, including Korea, which tends to be, you know, like a like pretty like critical region of a lot of stuff. Uh, we're like super about it. Um, so in that sense, we actually do collect that feedback. Maybe that's a conversation you know I need to have with the teams about, hey, like maybe I can make some of that data more transparent to you guys. So we give feedback to you about what you guys said about various patches or changes. Well, here's a here's a question for you. So I think a lot of people feel like if they feel strongly about something, the only way for that to get visibility and for Riot to like get that information is for them to make a Reddit post that gets to the top of the subreddit or make like a really big post on the forums where they're like rallying everybody else and like bumping the thread a lot and like causing all this commotion. 
Uh, and and I think for uh, players out there, possibly like Veals right here, who's calling in, it doesn't like there. It's almost kind of like the suggestion box, uh, even, even if it's just a even if it is something where you guys can just sort of sort through them or it's something where you guys are using uh, data analysis to, to look at the general sentiment or perceptions around the stuff like it, it's probably hard for players who feel like they want to be a more active participant or have right listen to them. Like there's not a venue for them to really share that feedback. Um, I mean, that's not to like, I'll say this. I don't think that we, we're not like looking at the boards and looking at Reddit. And we're like, okay, we're making the changes based off this. But on the other hand, we're not just completely ignoring those things. We still consider that as part of feedback. When I talk about those surveys and when I talk about the methods in which we get feedback from players that way, one of the important things about that is that any player can get that. Um, so it's not just players who are super engaged and who are like, I have the time and the energy to go and make a Reddit post, or I'm even just involved and aware of Reddit. That means that someone who maybe plays League more casually, or maybe someone who's really engaged and plays a lot of League, but who just isn't as in involved on the forums or doesn't feel like they want to make a public post somewhere, they feel like they can have a chance to get their voice heard. So that's not to say that we'd like just ignore things on Reddit or the forums, but it's not like we only look at that. But what if what if I am a super dedicated hardcore player? Like, so here's a good example. A lot of people, um, some one of my friends at Riot was like, "Yeah, it's interesting because uh, they heard Peter had been talking about how he was going to make this video, and it was sort of like, well, Peter can just go talk to the designers. Like at any given point in time, he can just hit them up and say like, "Yo, dog, what's up? This kind of sucks." I'm not saying that all the designers need to be available to the millions and millions and millions of people who play League of Legends, but like. What does that look like for a person who also feels like if they're frustrated that ADCs are not as popular or that they feel like they can't play like the champions they want anymore? What what is an avenue for them to express that or to make them feel like they can talk to Riot about it that isn't like a forum post or a Reddit thread? Like, is there is there an existence for something like that? Um. So I think two points on that. Obviously, we would be open to more you know, avenues of feedback. Maybe there's something we can do in the future that is uh, like a more direct communication with Riot that's not necessarily on the forums. But I actually really do think that a lot of our surveys and a lot of the data that we collect really does capture that. Maybe the only difference is, whereas a lot of players saw Doublelist video and saw our response to it, what they maybe didn't see is that we were already looking at survey data. We were already looking at a lot of other data, you know, that I was researching and looking at that was like, wow, players are, you know, there's a, there's a lot of contention around these changes. So I, I feel like we do already capture that. It just might not be as visible to other people. Again, I talked about that mass champion survey and it's like that survey can like, I can, I can actually tell you how our players in any one of our major regions, how they stack rank any champion from things as big as like the overall, how they feel about the champion to their desire to purchase physical merchandise for the champion. Uh, Ari and Sona uh, win in that category, actually. Really? I wonder um, why. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, I can tell you those things because we have surveyed so many players on that. We, you know, that was, that was fielded, you know, by hundreds of thousands of players. So we are constantly getting that feedback. I think what might be tough is the players who maybe don't want to make a forum post and they're like, I, and I get this sometimes, some players like, please send me a survey. So I don't know, maybe something that could be cool in the future is like, I don't know, we can do a like 
high engagers survey. That'd be kind of cool. I, I think that'd be a sweet idea. It's like a survey that's not distributed through random means, but is like something that, you know, we give out to people who just want to fill out and give feedback directly to Riot. Who are those people? And then we can sort of caveat uh, the results as we look at them, knowing that it was like people actively wanting to take that survey. Yeah. Very good. Hey, thank you so much, Veals, for calling in. Thanks. Thanks, Veals. Have, oh, have, yeah. yeah. Have, have a good night. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Bonsoir, bonsoir. All right, two more callers, I think. Uh, Mark? I only have one more on these topics. Okay, cool. Uh, that's so funny. Um, I'm being told I haven't lost my job yet, guys. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, it came close, I think. I, I, there are a lot. You rallied the audience whenever you were talking about changing the way players get punished or banned. Uh, they want to make you CEO, according to my Twitch chat. So yeah, I'll probably get some feedback about that one right, <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Especially when that Reddit thread pops up at the top. That's like Riot Blastoise. We shouldn't be banning anyone, killing you, guy. Riot Blastoise, you know, thinks that the worst people in the world should be playing League. Yeah, <laughs> killing you, guy, is here. Uh, he, I say he because it says guy at the end of his name, has a mute icon next to his. Oh, I'm here. and it's off. Where are you calling from? I'm here from uh, Newington, Connecticut. From Connecticut. Very good. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Good. Very good. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um, I wanted to talk about, uh, I know that there was a lot of feedback on the double lift video about uh, power creep in the game. And I think one of the topics that's sort of less often talked about, but still is relating to power creep in the game over time is with respect to the map and how Summoner's Rift, Rift has changed even from the earliest seasons. Um, so, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, between season four, I think it was season four, season five-ish, you know, you had the, the visual graphics update, but even beyond that, you know, we've introduced things such as, you know, changing the standard Drake to the four elemental Drakes. Um, there's been the introduction of plants into the jungle, both the blast cone as well as the, um, uh, the fruits, in the jungle. Uh, and then, you know, most recently, the, um, or even before that, there was the Rift Herald change to be more impactful into the game. And now you have um, the, uh, you know, the changes to Scuttlecrab. And, um, you know, I just think back, um, you know, in the early seasons of the game, the jungle was almost like a more unforgiving place. Um, you know, it definitely rewarded certain champions that higher, had higher mobility, you know, say like Nidalee, for instance. Uh, you, you know, I know when Talon got reworked, he can hop over, uh, you know, spaces in the jungle or Kane, you know, as, as a high mobility champion through walls and things. But uh, other than that, um, you know, if you were caught out in the jungle, you know, there is a much higher skill gap required to to escape. Um, things like jungle clears, you know, there's a lot more sustain now since, you know, when you kill a Rift Herald, you know, it's like 50% of your health and mana back or, or something like that. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the increased amount of sustain in the jungle, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, it's had a high impact in the so, game. So it sounds like you're, you're just curious about uh, sort of how the jungle has affected the game. Well, yeah, I think so over time. I'd also like to combo in it kind of more with the, the map mobility point too, because just to just you know the same thoughts on that, because it is true that I think you know you have Talia, Aurelian Soul, Talon, uh probably forgetting a couple, but like not just I guess what I'm saying is not just in combat mobility in that sense, but like map mobility uh, has 
creeped up as well as before. It was like TF and maybe Nocturne and like GPL, Carthasol. Okay. Yeah, I just I just wanted to lump, lump ask if there was any like thoughts about that kind of mobility as opposed to like whenever people talk about mobility creep, they always talk about like this thing can dash in a, in a fight. Okay. Um. So it's not like a specific question. It's just like the general thoughts on the changes to jungle or changes to mobility. Yeah. yeah. Um. So one thing I think I talked about a little bit earlier is like uh, league back in the day versus league now. I think we added in certain things that were. Like mobility, not not the mobility you were talking about, uh, Mark, but like, you know, the like Zed, Yasuo, Lee Sin mobility is certainly like something that's more fun, right? So a lot of our champions maybe move more towards that. Um, I think actually because we had so many more kind of champions that had mobility aspects, we tried to make the jungle a place where, you know, things like Blast Cone wouldn't totally ruin... Uh, like a Mumu's ability to jungle or something like that without just overtuning his stats because it's like, okay, Nidalee and Kane have all these insane gank paths, but it's like, okay, we're going to give some cool gank paths to um, a Mumu as well, right? So he can use Blast Cone to get in a good spot or mid laners can then roam down and get in a good spot. Um, I don't know if necessarily the intention is... Uh, that we that the game should be more mobile that people should be roaming more and having more fights i think to speak about it more broadly is it's like it's the was it it's the ship of theseus sort of thing right and in a way we're kind of uh upgrading the ship what i think we need to do though and and, and i'd be curious if you guys actually think the added mobility of characters like talia aurelian soul or the most those mobility champs has actually been bad for the game because i feel like it's good the issue is like as we have our ship, you know, the ship of Theseus, the ship of League of Legends, right? And we keep changing things, maybe to try and improve it. We still have to maintain that it is the ship, that it is League of Legends. Um, I think especially recently, we, you know, changed too many parts on the ship before we could even let it go sailing, right? Uh, would be, you know, to follow up with that analogy. Um, in this case, though, and and. and I think sometimes you might change parts of a ship that make it worse, that ruin the ship of Theseus or make it not as good. And there have been changes to League that weren't as good. I actually think the having characters move around the map faster, be able to do things and interact more, has generally been a positive thing for the game. Um, I, I'd be curious, like, and, and part of the reason why I even use that is just when I look at champions in our game, uh, some of the most played, most loved ones are those with mobility. Either the t uh, the type that Mark uh, talked about that is like, you know, maybe like a TF alt, like that sort of global mobility, or things like the Yasuo Zed, Lee Sin, the dashes and stuff. Um, maybe it's because those champions forced out the older ones. So that could be the counterpoint to me, and I would have to, you know, look into that. My gut answer is that the sort of visceral feeling of being able to like dash as Lee Sin and do those sort of plays and that increase of mobility has actually made league feel better as a game. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, those ones are, are like, I can definitely see like how the average player is like, man, I like doing cool shit in the cool shit meter on those guys is off the charts. Like you can do so much with them stuff like Talia, where it's like, I hugged the wall and got down there faster or Bard is like, I picked up some chimes and moved. I, I don't know. You probably have access to like player enjoyment of those type of champions. I don't know if it's ever like, does because you guys I, I mean you you will need to help me here a little bit but like you i assume you guys compare like how much the players enjoying the mobility of lee sin and yasuo and zed and the crazy outplay versus how much they're hampering the person that they're against 
enjoyment. I wonder if, have you guys done that type of analysis, but with the global movement type champions? Um, yeah. Actually, as you frame the question that way, and as I start to think of some of those questions, here's my hot take on it. I actually think those are kind of bad. Uh, I, th- like I think bad questions or bad. Uh, no, not bad questions. Sorry. No, no. I, I actually think you're or potentially not good for the game. Uh, two I'll talk about in particular, Aurelian Soul and Talia. Yeah. Um, Aurelian Soul is a great example of a champion that has this like insane kind of mobility ability that is really powerful for him and his ability. to It's that plus his ability to shove waves. And he's able to use that. But I don't think it's particularly satisfying. And I know that because I know his play rate. And despite being a very recently released champion, despite having incredible visuals, and we know this, it's rated really high. I mean, dude's, you know, he looks great. He has, you know, he's a cool space dragon stuff. He's not really played that much. People don't really get that much enjoyment out of him. I think that's actually similar with Talia as well. Um, both of those characters, uh, like, I think we've even found this with things like Cloud Drake as well. Things like being able to just move across the map faster in a kind of passive way are really strong for the game, but they're not viscerally, like they don't feel viscerally satisfying to the player, like taking a Lee Sin cue. Um, so I actually, I actually agree with Mark there that like some of those more sort of passive forms of mobility that allow you to like move around the map just a lot faster with like minor optimizations. I, I don't want to just definitively say they're bad, but I would be way more suspicious of those than the other type of mobility creep, which I tend, I think the upside of the other mobility creep uh, outweighs the downsides of it. And just to add to that point as well, you know, I feel like the game has become a lot less interactive, like, especially like when you look at mid lane, you know, you see a lot of the, to your point, you know, you got Aurelian soul and, you know, rise and Talia were more like this a couple patches ago, but with, you know, nerfs, not as much, but, you know, you have a lot of champions that just like to shove the lane and roam, you know, with their high mobility and you get less of that interaction, you know, that that dueling potential, you know, between, uh, you know, laners and try to see, you know, you know, who can outplay the other person, you know, personally, because I, I switched to jungle, but, you know, when I first started the game, I, I was a mid laner and I really enjoyed that aspect, you know, playing an assassin and, you know, really just trying to outplay somebody, you know, level level two, level three, get that get that ignite tick off and get the first blood and snowball the game from there, you know. I feel like the game's just a lot less interactive right now, and you, you, you kind of get punished for that play style by not just, you know, if you get stuck playing one of these champions with low, low wave clear, you're stuck clearing the wave. And It sounds like get, you know, some... really like assassins. Well, to, to yeah. be fair, I actually want to look into his point, and I, I won't be able to answer this for you, but this is actually a something I'm looking into hopefully within the next month and going to look into this data. I actually want to look into two things. Is One is just bloodiness of games historically in League of Legends. Obviously, there's like a, a a sweet spot. You don't want it to be too much or too little, but like bloodiness basically means the action, right? People are fighting, they're fragging, they're scrapping, kills are happening. That's fun, right? No one wants the like resident sleeper uh, TSM games. I mean, uh, shit, uh, you know, like those games are like nothing's happening, right? Like no one wants that. Um, but we also probably don't just want the just complete straight fiesta. Everyone's dying, you know, hundred kills in like forty minutes, something like that. Um, what I want to look at, though, is like not only like bloodiness for the games, but also like how much of that bloodiness is the result of a solo kill versus skirmishes that are forced from like jungle ganks or something like that. I want to look at that historically and then compare it, like basically find when it was when players were most satisfied with the amount of action or the pacing of a game 
and see like what level of bloodiness and uh, sort of solo kills were occurring. Yeah, it just feels more more than ever. Um, I mean, obviously, there's ways around this, but it just feels more than ever that um, you know you can really snowball a game early game, get a huge KDA, uh, get a couple of early objectives, but oh, you know, other team gets Baron, they get Elder, you know, game over. You know, it's like it's like all that effort that you put into the game, you know, mechanically or you know, getting those early leads or in your lane just sometimes are just meaningless, especially like in a solo queue environment. You know, it's difficult to get everybody on the same page. No. Hey, Killing Ego guy, thank you so much for calling in. Absolutely. Yeah, how are we doing? Thanks. Uh, all right, so Nathan, you do have to uh, to leave in just a second. I know we, we went over time and uh, we have a second guest, but uh, just some quick questions for you because uh, I know we talked a lot of bit broad, high-level stuff. I'm curious how many of these you'll be interested in answering. You, you dropped that in China. Uh, Yasuo and Lee Sin are huge popular characters. Uh, can you talk a little bit about popularity in, in any sense, right? And maybe not necessarily play rate, but like what champions do no, does North America like? Uh, yeah. Also, uh, one clarification. This is like it's a little hard to disentangle sometimes. Sure. But um, some of the characters that do really well in China also, you know, maybe have more of an appeal with like an Eastern audience. Right. Sure. Like, um, you know, we see like Lee Sin, Ari, like those are like Eastern champions. They do really well. Wukong actually coming from like a, a Chinese legend does really well. Sure. Uh, some of the ones that do really well in North America, we were looking at this today and it pains me to, you know, promote, you know, Riot August's uh, ego. But yeah, like uh, some of his characters do really well. Characters like uh, Jin, um, Echo, Jinx, uh, those three especially do really well in North America. That's cool. And that's not just like play rate. That's like people liking those characters. Yeah. And, and there's sort of, uh, you know, you, you want to kind of take a mix of both, which is like, you want to look at both the play rate. We have this, uh, an amazing report that, uh, actually he's, uh, one of the guys on, on my team, David, uh, Navadi, who did this, um, really talented analyst who came up with this. Uh, there's actually a like blog post that we've done about it, which is our breadth versus depth report. And that's what I was talking about earlier. It tells you on the breadth side, how many people are playing a champion. And then on the depth side is of the people who play that champion, how many games are they playing on it? Uh, so in the sort of like top right quartile, those are your characters that everyone's playing them and everyone's going really deep on them. And even in NA, that's still Yasuo. That's still Lee Sin. And then in the bottom left are kind of like your yikes champions where it's like not that many people are playing them and even the people who are playing them aren't playing that many games on them oh you froze in just the perfect way i'm just gonna keep you like oh there we go we came back yeah, sorry. um all right and then finally maybe you can uh because twitch chat was talking about this a little bit do you have any interesting data or interesting facts about timo data or interesting facts about timo Man, I don't know. Timo might be one of the ones I don't. I feel like I have these for all sorts of champions. Like, how do you not have one for Timo? Like, this should be like the number one thing that you keep in your pocket. I think I, everyone always asks me for Timo facts, and like, I never like listen. Y'all need to understand who I am. If you want like the random champion facts, you need to ask me about the Weeb champs, or you need to ask me about the Hot Girls. Like, those are the yeah. two types of champions I can tell you any number of. Facts. Yeah. So why don't we Timo, go with the uh, Weeb so. champs? Animate. First off, what is a weeb champ to you? Um, interestingly enough, uh, my insights team is working on like a weeb framework because it's not fair to just say like, oh, these champs are weeb champs. There's different kinds of weeb champs. You know, yeah. there's like your 
there your anime protagonist Yasuo Ezreal weeb. There's your like Edge Lord Zed weeb. There's like your uh, Kawaii like Ari weeb. Um, you know, there's different kinds of weebs. Okay, so, so you're classifying them out. You're categorizing them out. Yeah. Yeah. If you had to guess, because Mark is actually secretly a big anime fan. If you, yeah. with all your data and analysis, had to guess like what weeb champions Mark would be interested in, what what would you say? I'm gonna get myself. In, sorry. Well, I was gonna ask what animes do you watch. I was gonna get myself in trouble. I was gonna say I would definitely self-identify as the lolly weeb. Uh, so the Zoe. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, I watch some shonen and then a lot of like the more th- like Death Note. Ho- so something hopefully with some depth. Full Metal Alchemist, I liked a lot. Those ones. I'm I'm a basic bitch, dude. Hmm. What? Where are the basic bitch weebs at? Yeah. Hey, you know what? I got I got a new one. New hot take character. Try out this new. Yeah, shameless plug for Riot Sellout. Try out this new Akali. Oh yeah, yeah. Shit's fire, dude. That I, I swear to God, that champion was made for me. It's it's a certainly T champ. Uh. You know, Weeby like Yasuo, also Ionian like well, Manalist like Yasuo, Hot Girl, even better. Um, and what else? Yeah, she's like literally the most badass character I think we've ever done. I am so hyped to play that champion. So I think that's that's my recommendation for you. Pick up the uh, new Akali. All right, I'll try it. Very good. Well, we let you sell out here at the end. Anything that you would say to any of the fans out there, the people, before we uh, let you go? Uh... Any caveats from all the things that you said today? Yeah, I mean, like, listen, if I was to be honest with, like, with players or anyone watching, I'd be like, yeah, like, I mean, honestly, like, it's fine if you guys give Riot a hard time. I actually think it's it's great if you guys are, like, holding us to things and, like, yelling at us to fix the game and doing stuff like that. Um, I want you guys to keep doing it. One of the reasons I really like Doublelist video is he called us out on stuff and asked us to improve things, but he did it in a really, like, respectful and great way and like there's a lot of like very vocal players um some famous who i've actually talked to before and i've even given them the view it's like there's sometimes a it's i actually really understand their messages is sometimes the delivery of it doesn't bother me but it can bother other people um so you know just trying to you know work with us but if you if you had to choose between pulling punches and you know like uh being like straight honest definitely be straight honest with us like hit us with that good shit like you know go in on riot uh and honestly like we should be held accountable to you guys so we're gonna try and make the game better for you guys try and um yeah we're gonna try hey we'll go back to the ship of theseus right we're gonna try and keep the ship of league of legends still league of legends for you I don't know of how many people even understand. I wasn't going to cut everyone, you off before. Everyone, go, I'm going to post it in your Twitch chat. You're all going to okay. read up on this. It's remaking a ship while it's sailing. You've changed out the entire ship, but it hasn't yeah. sailed. Is so it the same basically, ship? Basically, you keep changing the sail. You change the sail on a ship, is it still the ship? If you change the mast, is it still the ship? If you change all the parts, is it still the ship? Um, what I think we want to do is we want to keep it the ship of League of Legends, but we want to improve it. And we also want it so that when you come back after taking a break from league or after, you know, having a tough semester at school, you come back and it still looks like the ship of league of legends to you, maybe with some new parts, some you might not like, but some we really hope you like. So yeah, that's my, uh, 
a little plug. <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, thank you so much. And uh, here's a secret. I, I just decided to say it now because you got, Twitch chat seemed to like Nathan so much. Uh, I am uh, I'm interviewing Nathan on Wednesday. I don't know when it's going to come out, but I'm doing a series of interviews with some Riot folks about sort of their jobs and what they do. Uh, so if you enjoyed having Riot Blastoise on the show, uh, know that there should be an interview coming out with him. As long as he didn't screw up too much and they, they tell me, oh, actually, uh, Nathan is unavailable that day. We'd love to have you interview Ghostcrawler instead. Um, but anyway, hey, thanks so much, Nathan, for coming on the show. Let me switch to a, a different scene and then we'll uh, we'll let you go. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. One second. Okay, there we go. Uh, all right, you can hang up and leave Discord. All right. Peace, guys. See, See ya. Yeah, See thanks. Ya. All right, guys. Uh, show is not done yet. We're getting um, we're getting our good friend Hunter in. Are we uh, talking about a uh, thing before Hunter or after Hunter? So I, I don't know when we want to slot it in. Uh, no, I think I think we can have Hunter on for that. I think it's fine. Okay. Um, I want to. I would not mind a time without a caller. Oh, this is Nathan's call, so I have to invite Hunter to it. So then he'll just. Whatever, dude. Yeah. Make it work. Figure it out. Um, and then Hunter needs to join. Oh, there he is. Hi. Oh, why are you in my headphones? That is fascinating. It's work again. There we go. Um, you we're gonna join, drag you into. The, oh, you're in the call. Okay, you need to mute Skype and unmute uh, Discord. Done. All right, and then you need to turn your webcam on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a big. Uh, that's a good call, key good component. Call. Done. Cool. Look at my garage. Yeah. Well, no one can yet because we. Oh, okay. I haven't. Well, I haven't get ready. To I have to. to you. You. My garage. The call moment the you turn your webcam on, everything doesn't suddenly pop up. There's a. Call it. Call a workshop so you sound like, it's, less like I'm stuck in here. Yeah. What? What? He's saying, don't call your garage a garage. Call it a workshop. Oh, because if you call it a garage, it sounds like you're stuck in there for like no one wants to be in a garage for a Skype show. What? Really? I would think not. I think I would think that I work out of my garage. That's why you call it a workshop. I love the sideways. (laughs) The sideways photo of your wife in the background is an excellent addition to the show. Those are her headshots, actually. Oh, good. They're just. Why aren't they hanging up, dude? What the hell? What? It's a headshot. Why would that? Why would they be hanging up? You don't put them like on your desk or anything. Like no, it's a headshot, dude. You'd... It's it's like for it's uh, it's like yeah, a... I understand you you mail them out, but it's also no, like you, you don't know, understand. You pick glitter, <laughs> you pick glitter in the envelope, and then you, is yeah. it not a headshot for like applying for like acting shit? Yeah, but you don't mail them out, my dude. Whatever, mail them out, send them out, hand them out, whatever. I'm just saying that like when I had my my pa- my parents print those out, put them on there desks and shit all right high school school photos let's go let's go all right so hunter is the welcome hunter to the show hunter runs golden guardians um as best as he can and he uh is on the show because of a couple different things uh one so this would have been a great show to have double lift on uh just so everyone knows i invited double lift on and uh, he was I wanted to have him on at the same time as Nathan. Uh, I thought I think he'd be great to have on for this conversation, which is about pro players and sort of the practice environment that they have. Doublelift declined. So 
he said he was busy and he he's probably just finished streaming and competing against us as a stream and all that stuff. So um, we've got Hunter here instead. So yeah. Hunter is budget double if no, uh, actually because a lot of the if you're watching the VOD, you can pause right now. You can go watch Mark Z's rant uh, from this weekend about the practice environment. Um, and you can watch Poe Belter's interview that I did with him about right. sort of the challenges that pro players have faced and sort of setting up a good uh you know, so, pseudo solo queue, high level solo queue environment. Um, and for in-houses, what's up, Mark? Apparently Doublelift also during his stream chimed in. Great. About a bunch of that. So Love I, it. I to Would be great if he was on the show when he chimed in about it. Yeah. I, I want to watch them, but I don't think it'll be able to watch and have a conversation. So I'll just check them out later. Yeah. Well, let me get my, my preamble that I've been thinking about while you guys find a caller. So, I have called. So, but, but sorry, one last thing. The context for, uh, the context for Hunter being here is that Hunter, you were. It's interesting. You worked at Riot on the Riot side, and and I think you were there when some of these conversations were happening in the first place. Uh, now you're on the team side, in which case you should be heavily incentivized to, um, have players that get better over time. Uh, so you're in an interesting situation where you can kind of talk uh, to both sides of this. Uh, in in substitute of a player, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's that's part of my preamble. Like we've been here before as a region. When I joined Riot, we were heading into the first MSI at uh, Tallahassee, Travis's favorite MSI to date, I think, by a large margin. And that was coming off of TSM and C9, I think, making it out of groups and losing to Korean teams. So like you know, success, not success. You get beat by Korea, that's what happens. And then TSM winning um, IEM Katowice, whatever that, whatever you think that tournament was. Work. But NA was like super hype. We have this international on in our backyard, TSM chance going on for like 10 minutes before it all starts. And we thought, we, you know, gap is closing. Here we go. And then TSM just just stunk up the joint. And we and so Nick Allen left right and I moved into a different role. And suddenly we were we were I was sort of running NALCS. And we were facing like a crisis of confidence from both the pro players and the community about how we propel NA and keep it competitively viable as a region. Um, you know, Mark was at Curse at the time. We were talking about ideas. I was talking to Saint about things. You know, we got a lot of feedback from pros, from owners, from from players, from coaches, um, from the community about what should we do. And we we tried to do a number of things in response to that. Um, one is we uh, switched to BO3s. We made like a big push to switch to BO3s. Um, two, we like uh, I went and told everybody that they could do in houses on the tournament round, which hadn't been allowed before that. Um, and I even told them at the time that they could use the queuing system, uh, like they could queue up for ranked if they wanted to. But I caveated that heavily by saying, like, it's designed for millions of people, not like 100. Yeah. So TBD is actually going to happen if, it, if you guys use it. But in theory, it should work. Yeah, I actually have your, your I don't know if it was you who sent this to me or OV or who, but I have the original document that you guys sent me when you guys yeah, updated. Yeah. Let's bring it up on the show. No, I don't know if you you can, but uh, but I don't know if you should. I I don't remember what's in there, but me and it's something bad. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I think we were talking about it. Um, and and three. Um, you know, we were talking about like, okay, scrims is this really manual recording process and getting data. Can we run like programs in addition to help snarf data or whatever? And what we ended up doing is like changing it so that match history wasn't saved for scrims in the tournament realm so that people didn't have to quit out of scrims every time and they would have their own history that they could look at and a bunch of other little things. So we were working on these like quality of life improvements to, um, to try to make NA more competitively viable. And 
ultimately, like this big issue around paying and laziness of pros and whatever, which I think, which I think Mark did a good job of calling out, is like a totally fair issue. Paying is high, and that sucks. Um, but it's also not something, and I'm glad you guys asked Riot at the beginning, and you should bring that guy on, and he can ask it. It's also something that's really difficult for Riot to fix. And the pros, like during the same time, we're getting sort of, I think, correctly kind of shit on by the community for complaining that the servers were being moved, and that was bad for the hundred professional players as opposed to better for the millions of pro players. So it was sort of stuck. Offering in houses, offering a queue that would work, the pros didn't really use it, and that's too bad. Trying to do some other things, BO3s and other things to help NA be competitively viable. Like I think, I think we did some solid stuff. So I'm here to try to answer questions that Peter would feel uncomfortable answer. I can speak from both my time when I was at Riot and my time here as best I can. I'll try to be, you know, relatively brief since you know I'm I'm coming on a little bit later in the show. But I'll, my main point is just that this is a, a cycle that that we go through as NA gets feels more and less confident about how it's going to do with the the next international. And when we're more confident, we don't worry about these issues. And when we're less confident, we worry a lot about some of these systemic problems in the forefront region and, you know, high ping and other things as we're looking for excuses why why we're not doing as well. Um, you know, and so I think we should continue to respond and try to improve. But I just also think it's worth people remembering that we've done this. We like we've been exactly here two years ago or whenever it was, you know, grappling with some of these same issues. Yeah, but so, but we we all agree it's a problem, right? Do we agree that it's a problem that North America pros are disadvantaged by a sort of high ping, low quality of solo queue system? So yes, yes, I think I think everybody agrees that's a problem. Okay. Yeah. So, and I think the question is, how do you solve it? Like scouting grounds is one of the things I worked to implement when I was at Riot to try to solve it, right? We'll put upward pressure uh, on the top of the NA solo queue ladder to try to reduce, um, you know, some of the sort of for fun attitude, right? Like in-houses are one way you can solve it. Some the, the core issue of high ping, I, I don't think that's, you know, realistically, I mean, I guess it's solvable, but Riot's not going to solve that. So. Yeah, you're not going to be Korea. You're never going to be Korea. So like figure out what else you need to do. And like, uh, I watched the Pobelter video in preparation for this. And like, I don't think I disagreed with anything he said. Um, you know, like I intentionally, that segment is called the flame game. It's supposed to be a little over the top, not supposed to be completely fair and balanced. And in the very beginning of it, I say, I'm not going to accurately like go over the entire topic of NA ping. I just wanted to put a nail in the coffin that like, NA pros are streaming too much for in-houses to work. And like the stream, cause it's something that got brought up every time in-houses got brought up is someone would be like, well, you can't stream on it. You well, the players used to it. stream much more before, right? I think that's, it was one is of the that arguments even true? before. That, so is, I do, I do think anecdotally that's true. I think Soren used to stream a lot more than he does. Either way, now. I think it's fair to say now, now they're not. And yeah. And I still I, I thought Pobelter had some good points, but also some bad. Points. On the other hand, Peter could not come on the show cause he had to stream against it. But he's not streaming right now. I mean, so I didn't. He could have hosted the show. Hold on. Can we just talk about it? Like, I could have done the math back then and I would need to. But like TSM stream more than they do now. Um, C9, maybe. But honestly, not really. Balls was not a prolific streamer. Uh, Lemon was not a big streamer. Meteos would have been streaming. Meteos would have streamed. High was on and off. On, on Team Liquid at the time, because this is summer of 2015 that we're talking about here. Team Liquid, Piglet was the most popular streamer. Like, Dom didn't stream back then. Like Was Dyrus still, play- yeah, yeah, Dyrus was still so playing? Yeah, Dyrus is still playing, and he streamed. Yes, would have streamed a lot. But what about, like, Envy and those guys, right? Like, well, I don't, was Envy around in 2015? Uh, not Envy. I meant to say um, 
Who's the TDK? red jerseys? TDK and Renegades. Renegades? No, no not energy. Renegades. Energy? No, not energy. But either way, like there's anyway, a whole, there's anyway, a whole host of, of teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a host of teams. And that, even if they were streaming, I was think it was important that you put the like viewership hours in there. Even if Energy was streaming a ton, it's not like there were forty thousand viewers watching watching them stream at the time. We, at, even at the time we're talking about, it's like sneaky and double lift. You know, there were five streamers that were probably team massively impulse, disadvantaged. Tip. Yeah, tip. My five streamers who were massively disadvantaged by the no streaming thing, and you know, ninety five other pros who would have benefited from a robust in house system. Yeah, and it's it's a totally different environment from then. So. So like maybe that argument would have held more water then. I'm just saying that like right now, the fact that like as this conversation was going on earlier in the week, I saw a lot of comments about streaming. I just wanted to kill it because sure. it's, it's not a factor anymore. Sure. As far as I can tell. But are, are NALCS pros too lazy? No, well, I think they don't have good tools. Uh, so, yes, I think they're lazy about this, this like self matchmaking system. Overall, I don't think there's a laziness issue. I think also like. That shit's annoying, and there's no there's no leadership amongst them to make it like when the when special and high you know and those guys who have about as much natural leadership amongst that kind of group can't get it done. It's I don't think it's laziness exactly, but it is but is inertia or something. Yeah, it's it's, right. So like laziness can mean a lot of things. Like I am unbelievably lazy as a person. Like I don't like cleaning. I sit in my bed all day. I'm a fucking bum. But I'm a very 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 hard worker for work, right? So like, am I lazy or am I not lazy? Are pro players lazy? No, they spend like 80 hours a week on their goddamn jobs. Of course they're not lazy. Can they problem solve anything that isn't problem solved for them? They don't have a great history of that. So are okay, they lazy so or not that's lazy? a great that's a great jumping off point for my next thing. Hunter, you and the other teams would probably do benefit from a stronger North America internationally. You guys provide so many services for them already. Where like I, you know, I, I'm not going to say the comment I was thinking, but let's say you drive them a lot of places, you feed them, you do everything you can to like just let them focus on the thing for a while. I don't know if this is still the case. People had to wake up players, literally wake up players, get them out of the bed to get them to the scrim on time. I had players like, like that they were getting reprimanded for being late. Yeah. Okay, so you guys babysit them so much. Why not just solve this problem for them? Why not coordinate among all the different team owners to create like, all right, guys, you we we have this period of time is. So I think we did in the sense that like third blocks are the solution to all of this, Um, which is, you know, we are sort of collectively increasing the number of organized games or reps for these guys. People always get confused when we say third block or triple block. So, so yeah. yeah. So the way the scrim day works on on average is that Tuesday through Friday, there's the first block of three games that runs like 11 to two. And then there's a lunch break from two to three. And then the second block of games, which runs from three to six o'clock. And then there's a a dinner break from six to seven or so. And then now most teams are running third blocks most days, uh, which is, you know, two or three games from 7.30 to 10 o'clock, somewhere in that range, depending on, I mean, like days have a natural variance, but it is something like that. And that, that is like a, and I think that, I think the one part about what Paul Belter said, and I think Darshan said this too, that I, that I really do agree with is that this is probably the best short-term solution for these things, which is you just increase the number of organized games. Now, third blocks are, more casual than the first two blocks. Oh, really? Third, third yeah, blocks yeah. are not taken uh, seriously? Not, not intentionally, just sort of, un- it's, 
they're at the end of the day, they're more tired. They've like used a lot of their brain cells and energy in the first two blocks. And so people are unintentionally, I think, just slightly less serious. So it is so it is closer to kind of a solo queue environment in that sense. It is a nice kind of middle ground. And that that is like directly trying to solve that, um, which is getting these guys more reps on a on a low ping model. Um, people, you can use your academy team to do this. You can use another LCS team. Different teams are taking different approaches to getting more reps on that on that low ping server. Yeah, so I, I, I've definitely heard that exact same thing. Where like the the third block, by the time you get there, a lot of the time is is kind of just like eh, it's not great practice compared to the first two. Is what I hear. So I definitely agree with that. The other thing I agree with with Pobelter is like they players have tried this, and I think the players that did put the effort in way back in 2016 when Bjergsen was the one who was doing a lot of the, the legwork on trying to get in-houses off the ground. High being another guy who at one point did a lot of legwork, especially I think also having a, a period of time where he did a lot of legwork. Um, they have like a scrim doc or like a, a in-house doc and they got people in there. And the problem was, you know, 11 to 20 people would show up and that's not enough people. And you need to hit a critical mass before it becomes useful. And that's why I would say like, it's not fair to universally label all people in the North American scene as lazy, but you can say, you know, if, if you couldn't get your own teammates to do it, cause I heard that was a problem. Not all the teammates, even on a single team were invested in it. Then like, of course it's going to fall flat, but is that a problem with the idea of in houses or is that a problem with the execution? Yeah. I think a bit of both as in yeah. like, it only takes a, a couple people to screw up in houses for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think while the scene has gotten significantly more professional in the last two years, some of those things you're mentioning, Travis, I just, for most teams, I don't think are an issue anymore. People get up, they, they come to work. They, you know, like you, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Um, you know, if you need 50 people, if one person doesn't show up, that's nine other people who have to sit around doing nothing because they don't have a, because they don't have a 10th guy. So like, I think, I think in-houses can solve a certain amount of things for like the dedicated few. Um, but they're not, they're not like a great general solution. So, right. Yeah. I, but I think one thing I want to myth bust is the, like the player base thing. I think the player base excuse is like, I think that's a bad excuse for pro players to make. And I think it's really? a bad thing for the, for the region to fall back on. So a large player base is going to increase, right? Like the average skill of a master's tier player, because there are more people funneling up. Right. And so you're going to discover more better players. But basically, when the pros are saying we don't have enough good players at Hilo, what they're really saying is I would be I'm international tier, but everyone else at this level is not. And so I can't get good enough practice when the truth is some percentage of them would be replaced by whatever those other players are who who would be moving up in that system. And so I, I think it's like. It's a, it's a shitty dodge. There are enough good players at high level that queue times are relatively low and they're getting good enough quality games. Um, I don't think like the average quality of a high ELO game is a legitimate problem for practice, given what they all say is what they do during practice, right? Um, so so I, I actually, on two levels, I think that is like a really bad argument. Well, I, I want to, so on that level, I agree. Um, but I think if you're talking about just like in terms of raw talent pool of North American skill, I, I actually agree that right. the, the, the player so base, I should be complaining about that. Not yeah. my players, right? Like I should be complaining about that because I want, I want, you know, the best players possible so that I can win worlds and players should be saying in sense, like, you know, I want better teammates. So I need, but like from a make, it makes me better sort of, sort of feel, I think like, I think that's kind of a crappy I get it, but I just think it's I think it's kind of a crappy um, 
a crappy excuse and and not one I, I think the players should fall back on. All right. I, I mean, I understand it too. Like, I think when you go from playing in Korea to coming back to NA, it probably feels really bad. Isn't and there I, a I chance, think, sorry to cut in, isn't there a chance that given more, if you had a larger player base, you would have more, the people who take solo queue seriously would be more likely to percolate up to the top. And so at the highest levels of solo queue, you would have more people taking the game seriously, which would lead to much better solo queue. Yeah, practice. but like Cutie Pie's not trolling in high challenge, right? Like he's in Diamond One. Like all these guys people complain about aren't up there. You know, like what I mean, you can watch these streams. It's not that's not as much there are one tricks up there for sure, but I actually think there's benefit to one tricks rising up in solo queue and and you know you I mean the EU LCS pros would disagree with you, right? And that they see a significant enough difference in North America and EU solo queue that they they bring it up. I, maybe they're not right, or maybe it's just an easy thing for them to make fun of us about, but like they they seem to significantly and and Korean pros when they've come over here and I've interviewed them, that all the other players seem to think that our NA solo queue is giving them less valuable practice. So I, I 100% agree with that. It's not that it's wrong. It's just like how it's it's one of the, what else would they criticize? Like if if an NA, if Korea comes here, EU comes here, what are they experiencing? Are they on an NA team? Are they criticizing how we do things internally? No, they, they're criticizing what they have you know, access to. And the one thing that they have access to is our solo queue. And it is no other way around about it, it is definitely worse than the Korean solo queue experience or a European solo queue experience. And I, I don't I don't take any issue with that. But all I'm saying is I think it's not as big of an issue as the greater North American issues that we have as a region for why we don't win. I just think it's one of the most publicly facing ones, because when people come over here and they're like, why is NA bad? They have no fucking idea about how we do things, but they play on our solo queue and they can talk about that. And they have to grind from plat one all the way up, right? So they're seeing the whole journey, including that middle, like middle diamond tier of, you know, sort of mediocre. D1 police or whatever the guy's name is. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. All right. Well, let's take some calls uh, because we're starting to to run out of time. Yeah. Um, Uh, Dane, if you want to come on, I would love to have you on and talk about it. St. Vicious is in the chat if he wants to come on. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you want to get a new a set of new questions going, um, Mark? Uh, I think the sushi one's relevant enough. The sushi right? one is good. I just want like we've reintroduced a whole new topic. I feel like people should have a new chance to come on the show. I mean, a lot of people put their topics in expecting this to be the topic. Okay. Well, uh, sorry guys, if you want to come on the show. Well, it's also nine fifty. Mark says it's too late. People. Hey guys. Um, Hey guys, you guys want to get on the show when we hang up in 10, 20 minutes? All right. Um, Snake's finishing a game and then he'll be the last caller. Let's okay. try and get through these guys quick then. Yeah, uh, really quickly. Uh, thank you to Jedi Mace uh, for subbing Dr. Manhattan 18, who says eight months. Woohoo. The Undead Titan, uh, keep up the great work. Kawoob's gift to the sub to Pluto, Ace T- ESXT, sub 360, Karen Christian 0369 sent 10,000 bits or 1,000 bits, not 10,000, 1,000 bits, which is still great. JD, Jared, HTM, and Frag Bite Light. We've got Sushi back on the show. Sushi, you want to re ask your question? All right. So, my question is that should NA have like multiple servers or like a hub of servers, just like in China, because the ping issue that a lot of people are bringing back up? You want to talk about breaking up our top player base even more? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the challenge is that the bulk of the player base is in the East Coast and all of the pros are in the West Coast. So, 
you know, you're going to probably exacerbate whatever the whatever the core problem on the kind of player base size is if you split the region in half in some form to get lower ping. Yeah, the, the, the two factors that are playing against each other is how many people do you have up there playing who are good and how many people also have low ping. And those two things are actually at odds with each other. If you try and fix ping, you make the other one worse. If you try and fix uh, the player base, you make the ping worse. And, like, hey, let's and just, ping let's doesn't just matter for like 99, uh, 30 to 60 ping doesn't matter for 99.5% of the players. As much yeah, as like, oh, there's probably a lot of people that are watching this that would be like, I'd be diamond one if it wasn't for my 60 ping, my mechanics are like, it, it really doesn't matter. I think. Klaus got, Klaus got top 200 challenger from 200 ping in Venezuela. I mean, like, sneaky not, hit like, Klaus. yeah, sneaky hit top 100 from Florida back when it had one 100 something, you know, ping point. Yeah. Well, it's solvable, like, but. Yeah, but like I'm saying, like you know, we have a ping. Well, we have a, I mean, a server in uh, in California and a server in, or let's say currently in Chicago, right? But those two connect to a main hub, like in the middle, so people still could play with each other and have the same type. Yeah. yeah so I'm not a network technician, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't work that way. Like you, yeah, it doesn't. everybody's playing uh, in one centralized server farm. It's in Chicago right now. I think if you decentralize it, you end up with what China is. And again, so you could have like a West Coast server, but um, but then you're just going to have the West Coast players on. It. Right. What if we take an Ethernet cable from Los right, Angeles to Chicago? Dark fiber, dark fiber do, everywhere. Do you want me to say latency so yeah. you don't freak out? Because he's freaking out about paying. I think yeah. he wants us to say latency. But either way, latency. yeah, I don't know. The, the, the bigger issue that comes to is what happens when the West Coast becomes the good server, right? Like if you even – like you can't make two and then put a hub in the middle because that's still the same problem of transmission time. As far as I understand, it would be easier. And a lot of people suggest this. There's no way this would ever happen. It would be easier to move LCS to Chicago than to create two servers. I think like that's an easier yes. solve. So not really, but yes, I mean, that would be, oh, yes, that's a, that's an incredibly expensive solution, but uh, yeah, you know, when we regionalize and TSM buys Chicago is there is their home. Cause they want the lowest ping. Then they, their latency, whatever. Then when you're in game, it's called ping. Um, uh, then, uh, <laughs> then, then they can, uh, then they can, they can practice with the best conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Sushi, yeah. thank you so much for your call. Sorry if we shut down your, your question. No, no I think it's a, gr it's a great question. There just is like, there, there is unfortunately like a good answer. Not a good answer. Well, Probably okay. The there's future. a practical answer. Yeah. Probably in the future, something might happen. Yeah. you you live in, um, Seattle, right? Yep. Is the does the whole city take the day off for Prime Day? Chaps, <laughs> we don't got much time here, dog. Asking You're the out world here world. memeing it up. Come sushi, on, man. sushi. Thank you so much for your call. All right, no problem. All right, uh, moving on to the next caller and some shoutouts. Um, I'm lagging. Ari Waddle resub for six months. Hire an arrow for fourth host. I don't even know who that is. It's a washed up coach. High bit subbed. Tsunami, Tsunami Chef subbed, Hassan 23 subbed, Icel Corn 360, uh, St. Louis Slayer 24, Blue J1344 resubbed and says, Hi Mark, hi Nathan, hi Kelby, hi Kobe, hi chat. Uh, we got our next caller on the show, which is Ben. Ben, where are you calling from? I'm in Nashville. Nashville. Your, is your icon a naked man on Discord? Uh, uh, or is that a live, 
Is that a live image of you right now? Oh yeah, that's me. Where are you? It's really bright. (laughs) For 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 those that don't know, for maybe some of you guys don't use Discord, you you can set an avatar or whatever, and I just always click it look at somebody's avatar. And his appears to be a naked man wearing a cowboy hat, and he's like, I'm from Nashville. I'm like, oh I guess (laughs) guess you are. Uh, and thanks for being a Twitch sub. What do you want to talk about on the show? So I want to talk about CLG. Because I think they're on the up and up, and I think they're going to win the split. Wait, is Nick Allen still here? He's still I here. I have to strongly disagree. Uh, I the the CLG leadership is just in shambles. <laughs> bring bring back Kelby May. That's what I'm yeah, saying. So what I would say is I think um, we saw the like elimination, you know, disillusionment nerf that hit CLG in the final week. Like I th- I think if they had if if we had beat TSM to keep CLG alive, they would have closed out um, last split, uh, won out, and and uh, kept going. But we we undercut their momentum, and so I, I think they figured out what makes them good. Now I have no idea if they're going to win this, but it's early in a, in a highly you know a very like a combination of both parity and inconsistency. But um, I definitely think there's a lot to be happy about there if you're a CLG fan for sure. Now we play them on Saturday, so that's one loss ahead of them. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, so, uh, but, but yeah, I think, I think CLG has got a shot. I think they're clearly bouncing back and I think C9 and Echo Fox and hundred thieves struggling or making questionable decisions from a, from a management standpoint, opens the door for a bunch of new people to, to potentially make playoffs. And at that point, anything's possible. Questionable about- decisions. Or are you calling out your colleagues? Not by name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Holy moly. Hunter, you, you talk about leaving the door open for, for other teams. How How is the door open for you guys? I thought you you guys were the devil in a horrible org, but here you are at 4-4. Four four. What's going on? So I don't think those are mutually exclusive. I can be the devil, and we can be a horrible org. We certainly wouldn't be the four, first horrible org to make playoffs in, in the NALCS. <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, okay, sorry. So back to the CLG stuff, uh, not the Golden Guardian stuff. No, um, I think their bo- their bottom lane is amazing. Biofrost is Biofrost is is tremendous. I think they I think they have figured out um, what they can do well. Uh, you know, and and statistically, like I think there's a ton of great arguments about both their jungle top lane synergy and their bottom lane to, um, you know, to help them get ahead. Mark, I, I assume you, I don't know about your early power ranks, but you have them as a playoff team at a minimum, right? Yeah, at this point, absolutely. Uh, I would have had them pretty highly rated. We didn't do, a, I didn't do them for summer, but the like, like you said, the six zero thing, and then they went zero two on the last week once their dreams were dead. Like I agree, they would have probably won those games or at least looked good in them had that not happened. And then they pick up right where they left off basically. Uh, Cause it was stick and biofrost. What happened for them was like, it was a carry top meta in the first half of spring split. And they tried to play around Darshan and for whatever reason, it just like didn't work out. And then right when the meta ch- kind of flipped, they also said that they made biofrost like their primary shot call or something around the same time. And then out of nowhere, they go on a monstrous win streak. And since then, they kind of found their identity. And I, I think they're definitely headed for playoffs. And uh, their early game is disgusting. Their bot lane is disgusting. They have a really good chance of getting pretty far based off how the other top teams look. Yeah, so are they, Mark, is it that they're good or is it that the other teams are bad? Because that's the question I was going to say. Is that it just I, like you got fucking Team Liquid uh, just they have so one I game have where a- they look great and the next game where I'm like, why is this team in LCS? I have this really amazing stat that Jack gave me that like I'm gonna blow here and he's gonna get really mad at me. Nice. Um, it's I love the it percent- when you blow Jack. 
I love blowing Jets <laughs> load stats. Uh, so anyways, uh, so we looked at how, because his, his predictions are awful right now. He's below 50% prediction rate. He's like, Jets, what's you're going talking on? About, yes. Hasn't he been, he, I mean, his switch to analysts has, has been. He beat me last split and then this split he's in the gutter. Okay. Um, but, but so we were trying to figure out why that was happening. And he looked at every time a higher seeded team played a lower seeded team and how often an upset happened. And an upset actually happened 64% of the time. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, FlyQuest, Golden Guardians, yeah. DLG, like there's, well, there are teams doing surprisingly well so far. Yeah, but it's not even just like from last season. It includes this season. So like anytime like Team Liquid plays someone below them, that counts as like if it's an upset or not. So yeah. literally 64% of the time, the lose the worst team wins, and then we checked EU just to compare it. EU it happens twenty six percent of the time. Yeah, so like it's it's a crazy season right now. I think it's pretty clear that none of the top teams are actually that great. I Which think probably should. just means North America sucks, right? Uh, if I'm being honest, yes, I think every region should have like their clear best teams, and we don't, which is not a good thing. We don't at least right now. Right, not yet. Maybe we get one. But, but like, Golden Guardians is on the rise, so. They're they're heading that direction. They're figuring it out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, very good. Yeah. I mean, I think the CLG stuff is interesting. I'm excited for it. They're the only team that's ever shown up on the international stage. So, uh, my former colleague Taylor, anytime another team loses on the international stage, North America, he just tweets like CLG would have won this. So <laughs> I think they'll have to see what happens. But it it would be uh it would be nice to see those guys figure it out. Thanks so much, Ben, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for bringing Twitch up, and maybe put some clothes on next time. Uh, I don't know. Why not? That. It didn't bother me. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, all right. We've got two more calls. Uh, thank you well, to... So Saint messaged me and said he's not going to be able to uh, join any of Saint. That, by, by default, he now agrees with all of my points and has lost the argument. He was explicitly disagreeing with us in chat, which is why Too I was excited. Too late, to have I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, much like Peter not coming on the show, they don't yep. have a voice, they're wrong. Um, yep. Concerned Clover has subbed uh, as the Rush Comes 13 subbed. Uh, NM Dude, 500 subbed. Bond, Bond Dance, uh, Rush Come Home, Bible Thump, resub for eight months. Uh, and then a slew of Boba Cola gifts, which I will get to. You should just have a saint on next week. This this topic's not going anywhere. You well, know, like who knows? I mean, going to be a thing. People are much talking. like U.S. politics. Know, we'll just shift to something else. Fast, but uh, but I feel like this is sort of evergreen. I think for this split until Divide NZL is on the show. Uh, he's a Twitch sub. I should say. It, I believe it's a he based on his picture holding a hawk. Um, and his game that he is playing, according to Discord, is watching garbage anime. So happy to have you on the show, Divide. Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm down near Queenstown, New Zealand. It's Queen. a hawk that my friend found just kind of sitting in a bush, and so we fed it some steak and picked it up. So This is the most New picture. Zealand call I've ever had, uh, just from the first 10 seconds. Do, do, you, do most New Zealanders watch garbage anime? Um... Probably not. Okay, so it's just you then. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I will a self-admitted degenerate. Yeah. What time? What time is it there? Uh, it's five o'clock. I just finished work. Okay. Where do you work? Oh, uh just a courier driver. Nice. Very cool. Well, do you use the hawk now for the courier? Honestly, that would be awesome. Yeah. Just 
kind of worried it'd scratch people. Yeah, but, that's true. Hey, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, I had a question for Hunter. Yes. You guys, oh, Golden Guardians finished 10th last split, not to be mean or anything, but this split you guys are tied for 5th and 4 and 4. You've only really made a change with the mid laner and adding X special as assistant coach. So is it within the team or is it with those players that's made the change? It's with the other team sucking. Um, both. I mean, I think like, you know, like I said earlier, I, I, I do think some other, like, I think some teams overperformed in spring relative to, you know, what I think was their base skill level. And we're seeing some teams come back down to earth. I think some teams have, have unquestionably made themselves worse, at least in the short term, um, you know, and whether that pans out for them in the long term or not, you know, TBD like cloud nine might be struggling now and figure it all out and win, you know, their final 10 games and, and get to first and hundred thieves may, may take some short, short term pain and then circle back and same with echo Fox with some of their changes. Right. But so, so I think those definitely benefit, um us uh you know and um uh we are we are still getting like i think overlooked you know we get the like tls looking past us kind of kind of uh, game where we get to sneak up on them or they you know take a risk against us that they probably shouldn't take um so i like i think that works in our favor but i also think we're better than we were last split um you know some of that is is mickey brings a different thing to the team than than hi did um some of that is special i think leading reviews you know provides a different level of feedback um for the guys and kind of day-to-day practice um and some of that is that like we created this leadership you know sort of vacuum that that Lorlo and contracts and Matt are all, you know, filling in, in different ways. And, and, um, you know, I think we're getting better and better still at, at kind of picking up some of those pieces. What, uh, what, one of the things that I really enjoyed, I heard the deftly interview right before the start of this. I don't know if you saw it, Hunter pieces. Yeah. Yeah. He did say, fuck you. Did you catch that? I didn't, but, uh, he said, fuck you, Hunter specifically. Right back at you. Okay. Well, anyway, he uh, he was mentioning that Special basically forced him to play Heimerdinger. He didn't want to, uh, but I think that's yeah. a good sign. I think it's a good sign. So, like, I think um, you know, it's definitely an interesting. There's a there's a you know kind of a, a and I'm sure Mark can speak to this. There's like a, a tug of war between coaches and players around experimentation in a lot of ways. Like uh, players are, are, you know, league is a pretty risk averse thing to begin with and pro players in particular for sensitivity reasons and limited time reasons and other things are, are, you know, can be very reluctant to experiment and coaches have a lot of ideas around what would be good. And so every team, you know, has a different kind of ease with uh, trying new things out and experimenting and, and potentially wasting time doing something. And that's one where I think Expecial made a, a really great call and Matthew like, actually picked it up really fast and, and found like a natural sort of play style that worked for him. Um, but it's, you know, like, I think, I think every team has to figure out how much experimentation they're comfortable with and how much time they're willing to put towards it. How are you feeling these days given the, cause you, I know just from talking to you guys that uh, the team was having a tough time last, last split, even though this was all kind of according to your plan, right? Like you, we did that interview at the start of the <laughs> well, split and yeah. you said, we're going to be 10th. <laughs> the spring split we'll yep. we'll get a solid six maybe in in summer no but i mean like the, there was an intention that you guys were not going to come out as a top tier team and that you were potentially going to struggle while you found your footing because you were looking at players who had potentially be, been overlooked on their former teams uh, it does feel like the plan is possibly working now yeah i think it's possibly working now 
Um, so obviously I feel much better. Um, although, you know, we won these two, we had our first two a weekend when I was not there cause I was in New York for, for NBA 2k. Um, you know, and so like that, that is sad, but like overall, like I, I, I think we should feel happy. I think we, we've now won four games. We won four games last split. We, you know, if we keep splitting weeks, the way this is going, I think we're, we're certainly right on that playoff picture and we get a, we get a two Oh here or whatever. I think we're really good. I think we, I think we should feel happy. We, we built a team that we thought you know would be would build towards consistent success like that's a clear goal is not mortgaging the future for sort of for sort of success in the present and i don't you know i don't know whether we've been successful at that yet um but the improvements make me feel like we're definitely heading in the right direction and we're sort of we're sort of on on pace as it were i think to get where we want to be for next year and then for the you know 10 years beyond that you were um there you were gone this weekend I was gone. Yeah. So, uh, and this is the first time they've ever gone to, yeah, yeah. It's the first time, first time we ever run to, first time I haven't been at LCS coincidence. I hope not because I'm going to be there again this weekend. Um, but if we two Oh with, I'm not there. And then we owe two this weekend when I'm back, I may just, uh, I just never go to LCS. Vasca asks if you're streaming out of a Goodwill store. No, similar though. It is my garage. Um, you know, where I, where I work from home some days and and it's filled with things he got at the Goodwill store. Yeah, 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 it is actually filled with stuff uh, in part that's going to a Goodwill store because we're cleaning out our house someday. Very good. Well, um, hang Next. on. Oh, or- damn it. I just, I see Peter is in uh, Kelby's Discord. And I was like, oh, I can just join his channel <laughs> and funny. ask him what's up. <laughs> but then that would mean leaving you guys. Yeah. And I feel like Mark wants to, to get fill. out here. I'll fill. I'll fill. Bring no. him for the after show. If it was Sam or Double, if I'll take another. Yeah, yeah. And I can go where I can answer one question while you talk. Why don't we, we can all, Mark, do you have Kelby's Discord? No. Let's okay. not do that. I'm going to link it to you, you right now. How about you go in there and ask if they want to come on here? No, no, because he, Peter, we just talked about this. Pro players are lazy. He won't. If we invade that channel... And we tell I'm not gonna just like drop in and be like, hey, let's discuss this shit because he probably is relaxing. I mean, he he's not here to... for a reason, right? Yeah, like, he knows where you are. He's not all here right. For a all right. Twitch. Yeah, just understand that we would have had Peter on the show if it wasn't him. for Mark. I, I and want Hunter. to talk to him. I don't want to jump in Discord. I want to uh, answer another question or or not. We don't have another question. So but talk. we do well, have we can, the we our New Zealand friend still is here. Divide. Thank you so much for your call. Did we address all your your thoughts? Um, pretty much. The only other thing, do you reckon? Kind of reckon that being tenth place has actually helped you and motivated you to really try better. Before you answer that, Travis, can you go ask Doublelift? Just you can go and leave and come back. How would I hear? How would Hunter? Oh yeah. How would anyone talk. hear what Hunter no, is saying? Ask him if he wants to talk Just and type to him invite on him Skype here or something. Yeah, go ask him is what I'm saying. You well, can no, if he leaves Mark, the Discord, the audio goes If away. I leave Discord, how like the, everyone will fine. just hear the Peter conversation. That's so. fine. That's just like the show's over at this point. I'm saying I don't care. We'll just sit here and wait and talk no, with I'm Divide. Not, I'm not waiting. But or, yeah, wait? I'll talk to Divide. But yeah. But anyway, then the, there's no, a show can't no, hear. No, I'll answer the question. You do whatever you want. So did it motivate? I say I would say for the players, it definitely did. One of the things I was really struck by when we came back from break is while I had, you know, I think tried to consciously put, um, you know, set a real competitive goal for the split in a way that we didn't for spring split and, you know, in making playoffs, um, they had done even more, you know, sort of putting of pressure on themselves from finishing 10th. And we actually like sort of, um, 
uh, had a sneakily high pressure environment when the guys came back and were working really hard before the first week. And it actually, I was sort of behind in realizing how much pressure they were putting on themselves. And we had to recalibrate um, some of the way we approached reviews and other things to make sure that we were matching uh, the level of intensity that those guys were bringing every day um, and, you know, continuing to challenge them in the way that they needed um, from the organization. So uh, in a way, I don't know if it did organizationally, um, indirectly it did as in like the players, I think were so motivated by that, that they pushed, they pushed me and the org um, to push them harder and, and, you know, put more pressure on all of us. Very good. Hey, thank you so much divide for the call. That's all right. Sweet as, Thanks for calling in all the way from uh, New Zealand. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to mute uh, my stream really quickly. I'll go to Kelby's Discord. I'll ask him. It'll take 10 seconds. Everybody hang yeah. in there. Hang in, everybody. Kel Kelby, oh, okay. you're on cool. stream. Do you want to say hi to Hotline League? Hello, Hotline League. Uh, if you were, Can if Twitch you were, chat still hear me? Yeah. Oh my God. Mark. Well, I can hear you, Mark. So Just come to this. Come to this. <laughs> so Kelby, do you have anything Mark, to say so to the Hotline loud. League audience? Uh, yeah. Try Tretch on Legendary at your own risk. We were trying All to right. see if and that Peter. Total War plug was brought to you by Kelby May. Yeah, <laughs> we were trying to see if Peter was here because then we could get him on the show All against right. his will. Let's go back. We failed. No, it's no, okay. we can just stay here. Mark can come over. No, I gave him the Discord link. We'll close out the show with Kelby. Yeah, close out the show. Close out the show. Mark, are you coming over? Oh, he can't hear me. Let's go back. Let's go back. Mark, and then you can come back. Come, come to the Discord. I just linked in the chat. Okay. Anyway, uh, so that's that's the show. Uh, oh, uh, Mark is here. Okay, good. Mark, do you have anything that you would say here? At any shouts, any plugs, anything you would you would say at the nope. end of the show? Nope. No, nothing. Nope. nope. Let's go. Are you? You're just in a rush again. What does hotline? Does offline? No, do stuff on no one cares about my shitty jokes about how I'm boring and I'm not doing anything. So true. Yeah, I'm. I'm self aware enough to know that they'd rather hear a real conversation. All right. Hunter, any shout outs, any plugs at the end of the show? No, I mean, I think uh, I want to thank all the Golden Guardians fans in general. Those of you who stuck with us through last split and those of you who are finding us now, you know, it's, it's great to have you aboard. And just in general, like I, I this is a fun this topic that we're talking about more broadly about how to make NA a better region, I think is a really interesting topic and valuable. And we should keep talking about it. But uh, maybe that's enough for one night. And if Peter, you know, accidentally stumbles back into this room while you still have the call on, you should ask him some questions. So thanks everybody. Uh, Kelby. No, thank you, Hunter. <laughs> Kelby, any shout outs, plugs, anything at the end of the show you want to say? Mm, no, I'm good. <laughs> What's what do you sound like you're in pain? He's stretching because, because he's waking up from a total war coma. I am in pain right now, dude. Oh, is your, got, are you still I've failing at your campaign? Down my fucking throat. All right. All right. 
All right. Well, I'm going to go back to the other Discord. Um, or I'm going to drop down a different channel since, you know. All right, guys. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. Uh, this is Hotline League episode. So I'm here just saying goodbye then? Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're wrapping the show. Okay, uh, wrap it up. All right. This has been episode uh, 36 of Hotline League. Really appreciate everyone who watched. I'm going to hang out on stream for a little bit uh, at the end of the show or as the show ends. Uh, we do put it on an audio version of the show, uh, so feel free to hit that up. I think it's on Spotify, but it's definitely on iTunes and Google Play and stuff. Uh, I've been told it's on Spotify. I just wasn't able to find it, so go to look, take a look for it. Thanks to Owen by HP. By the way, I'm rocking the new Ateo t-shirt. Um, they now have a t-shirt you can get. I'm normally a large, but this is an extra large. If you uh, if you have a gut, it's very form-fitting, so you got to go one size up. You can hit that up at ATO.com, my friends. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. This has been Hotline League, episode 36.